Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I want you to look at verse 5, and there you will see that God makes Joshua a promise. Very similar to the promise that he had made Moses. In the middle of the verse, he says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. That's a pretty strong promise that God makes Joshua. A promise that is very familiar, I think, to all of us. When we have come to believe and realize that we can fully and completely depend upon God. When that does not take place, it's not because God has failed, it's because we have failed. In our faithfulness to Him. Not that He has failed at all. God will not fail us, nor forsake us, and will always be with us. And He makes that promise to Joshua. But he puts a responsibility upon Joshua in verse 7. When he says, only be thou strong and very courageous. Those two things, but he doesn't stop there. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses thy servant commanded thee. A responsibility is placed upon Joshua to be obedient to the law. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Well, a quite strong commandment to Joshua to read the Bible and know what's in it, in the terminology that we would use today because that's all he had at that point in time. Certainly a, a command that we find very strong throughout the scripture, that we are to know what God's word is, be able to properly dissect it, meditate upon it, and, and explain it. Now, we will spend our lifetime doing this and never coming completely and fully to to that point. But I think we must realize that one of the responsibilities placed upon people who claim the name of God is to know his word. Know what it says. We should spend our lifetime studying God's word. I certainly would challenge all of you that you not let a day go by with what you have spent some time in his word. Reading it, meditating on it, praying about it, trying to figure out what it says, memorizing some passages. Know what the word actually says. One of my problems that I have to work on continually is that I... I know by heart a lot of the scripture. I just can't remember where it's found. Some of you are good at doing that. Clarence is excellent 
and tell you exactly where something is found. Me, I have to search forever. Where on earth is it? I know it, but I can't find it. That is something we need to work on for those of us who are bad about it. But most importantly, we need to know what God's word is and deal with it. Okay, so he is expecting Joshua to be courageous and strong and obedient to the word. Back or down ahead now in verse 9, he repeats the statement that he is to be strong and of good courage and not afraid. And then he goes on to say, And neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Obviously, Joshua is going to be faced with situations that he doesn't know how to handle. And God is telling him, don't throw up your hands in defeat. Don't be dismayed. Don't be distraught. Don't do that. But remember that the Lord your God is going to be with you wherever you are. If we would learn that lesson, how much better off would we be to realize that the Lord has not forsaken us when we are in those times of difficulties. That's when he probably is stronger with us than any other time. Or as the little poem uh, said, uh, footsteps in the sand, that as many of you have copies in your purses or in your wallets. I've carried one in my wallet for a long time, but I wore it out. I'm going to have to find a new one. Complaining to God about, Lord, you promised me that you would always be with me. And he looked back, and there for a while were two sets of footprints in the sand as uh, God and the person walked side by side. And then the person is distraught. And he looks back and he sees only one set of footprints. And he complains to God of the poem, Lord, you promised that you would be with me. And the idea is, Lord, those are my footprints and you have left me. And in the poem, the Lord says, oh, do you not know? Those are the times that I carried you. What a beautiful thought. If there's only one set of prints, you can be absolutely sure they're going to be God's. Only one set, they're God's in those times of difficulties. Do not be dismayed, he tells Joshua. All right, go to chapter 2. Joshua sends two spies over to Jericho to look over the situation, come back and report on what's going on. In the very first verse of the second chapter, two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house, a prostitute's house, named Rahab, and lodged there. That's where they stayed all night. Now you can speculate all you want to about their night's lodging, but that's where they were staying. The important thing is that this lady recognizes that these two men have come 
from that group of Hebrews across Jordan River. Those people who have come out of Egypt and have been wandering around for 40 years and she is aware of what God has done for them. She knows that God divided the Red Sea and let them come across on dry land. She knows about some of the things that have happened. She knows that Jehovah is God. And she took two of those two men and hid them upon the roof of her house behind some stalks of flax because the rumor of two strangers in town soon got around. And the king of Jericho heard that there were two strangers in town and that they probably had come as spies from across the river and that they had gone down to the house of ill repute that was run by Rahab and so he sends some soldiers there and they search the house looking for the two men and, and they are hidden. Verse 9 she says unto the man, I know that the Lord has given you the land. I know that. Let me tell you, the unsaved people of this world know a lot more of the Bible than we give them credit for. There's some things they know. It's just a case of those people have not been willing to give themselves to what they do know. You won't find many people who will dispute that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. you find some, I'm sure. It's a case that so many people are unwilling to commit themselves to what they already know. To make a statement of their faith and belief. To give themselves to the Lord. This woman knew all of this. Verse 10. We have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. Verse 12, she makes, a pro makes them a promise, or asks of them a promise. She said, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. In other words, give me something that I can depend upon to verify your promise. I know, she's saying, you're going to take this city. You're going to capture it. I am asking that you save my father's house when you take it. And give me a sign to prove that you will. In exchange for my hiding you and keeping your life. Verse 13 that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered, our life to yours. Verse 15. She let them down that night then by a cord that is a rope, what we would call it, through the window. Her house was on the wall of the city. You remember that the cities were all walled. Of course, some houses would be right on the wall. Fasten to it. The wall would be one wall of their house. Verse 18. Behold, when we were coming to the land, thou shalt bind, this is the men talking to her, 
Thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy family, father's household home unto thee. She was, as, as the sign that she asked for, she was to hang out of her window a scarlet thread. It was the rope that she let them down on. Hang that out the window so that we will know where you are. But, he said, you must have your whole family inside the house. And if you don't, verse 19, whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. Isn't this reminiscent of what happened in Egypt at the Passover feast? When the death angel was to pass over Egypt, and the Lord told them to make preparation, but they were to stay in the house, and the doors were to be covered with blood of the lamb. The concept is still true. Only those who are inside the house covered by the blood can be saved. There is no other way. People try to be saved by all kinds of methods. And they affirm their salvation, but it is only a man's affirmation. It has not been accepted by God. One is not saved by family relationships or church memberships or being born in, quote, a Christian country. One is saved only by being covered by the blood, by being in the shelter established and identified. I've had the blood upon the door and are now, in this case, in the house out of which window there would be a scarlet rope hanging. And if anybody is not in that house, he said, when we take this city, his blood is on his own head. We're not going to be responsible for it. Only if they're in the house. Verse 20, he says, and don't you tell anybody about our arrangement. That's exactly what it means. If thou utter this our business, if you tell anybody, the deal's off. That's what verse 20 means. All right. Isn't it interesting that a prostitute is going to play a vital part in the taking of this city? Go to chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua is now preparing the people to take the city. I want you to notice the first thing that he does. About 40,000 soldiers are going to be in this army, plus all the people, the priests that carry the Ark of the Covenant, and so on. Verse 5, Joshua says unto the people, Sanctify yourself. I'm not going to spend time tonight talking about the meaning of sanctify. It means to make holy. What he was telling them here is, get yourself right with God. You're on a mission for God. Now be right in your mind and in your heart. They spent some time in spiritual preparation. 
we spend a lot of time in physical preparation. But little time in spiritual preparation. These men were to prepare themselves as though they were going to war. Those of you who have been to the service will probably remember some of those times before battle that you made some real soul-searching effort to make sure that you were right with the Lord before you left. I'm sure that many of our men in the Near East right tonight are doing that very thing. Many more of them ought to be doing it. And we at home certainly ought to be doing some of our own spiritual preparation so that we are right in God's eyes. It does little good to make physical preparations for anything if we are not spiritually right. We prepare ourselves to come to church on Sunday morning. And I suspect that most of us spend more time getting our bath and, and shaving and uh, fixing our hair and getting our clothes just right and getting ourselves to church than we spend in any kind of spiritual preparation for the same event. It isn't nearly as important as to how we physically look as how we are in our heart. Things happen when our hearts are right more than when our physical appearances are right. How is our heart? And that's what he wanted them to do as they went on this mission to conquer Jericho. They were to be spiritually prepared. B, they were to be made holy. They were to separate themselves, to put out of their minds anything but God. Now, verse 8. The problem arises that the Jordan River is a flood stage. The water's way out of banks. And he instructs, Joshua instructs the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant to go stand on the edge of the water. And another thing happens similar to what happened in Egypt. The water backed up and parted so that a whole horde could go across on dry ground. Verse 13, the latter portions of it. The waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand up uh, on a heap. The waters are simply backed up as it did similar to that of the Red Sea. Now, this is the preparation. And the people then go across the river. Now, the people in Jericho are quite aware that something is about to happen. But before we talk about the people of Jericho, let's look in chapter 5 at verse 9. But the Lord again says unto Joshua, This day, 5-9, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. They have been for 40 years under the influence of Egypt. What happened to them in Egypt is still with them. They have been being fed manna, and being provided water by the Lord for all of these years. Everything reflects back to their coming out of Egypt. And the Lord is saying, today we're making a turn. The influence of Egypt is going to be completely and fully wiped away from you. I'm going to roll away the reproach of Egypt. There's an old hymn that goes something, rolled away, rolled away. All my sins are rolled away. And you know that song? 
the reproach of Egypt is rolled away. And that's the meaning of the word Gilgal, which you will see there. They call it Gilgal. Gilgal means a rolling. There was a rolling away of the influence of Egypt. Verse 10, what did the people do? They camped there on the other side now, on the western side of the Jordan, and they kept the Passover there on the 14th day of the month, right there in the plains before Jericho. Then, notice, here is the rolling away, and they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow, that is, the next day after the Passover. They ate something besides manna. They ate of the storehouse of the promised land. It was not new harvest, it was the old harvest, it was the old corn, but for the first time they ate something besides what God had provided them, that is the manna. They ate, after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in that very same day. Verse 12, and the manna ceased on the morning after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. Did you know when the manna stopped? There's where it is. Right before they're ready to take over Jericho. The Jordan River is the dividing point between their influence in Egypt and now they're into the promised land and God has said to them that he no longer is going to have this, this thing hanging over their heads the reproach of, of Egypt. Verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by, that is near Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went up to him, said unto him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? A man standing with his sword drawn between Joshua and Jericho. Joshua says, On whose side are you? Verse 14. Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as a captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. An angel from God, a captain of the hosts of heaven, stood there, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What sayest my Lord unto his servant? What message do you have for me from the Lord? Verse 15. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. I am standing on holy ground. Aaron saw. Remember Moses? When he had fled to the land of Midian, and a bush was burning, and he left his flocks and went over to see why the bush was not consumed with the fire. Because that was a strange phenomenon to happen. And a voice out of that booth said, Moses, take off your shoes. Well, you're standing on holy ground. Shoes means authority. To take one's shoes off means the giving up 
of one's self-appointed authority and recognizing the authority of another. Taking off one's shoes in the Old Testament days in the presence of the Lord was a symbol of humility, of the yielding up of oneself and giving himself over to the authority of God. Moses didn't know that he was standing in the presence of God. Joshua doesn't know that he is until he's told so. How many times have we stood in the presence of God and never knew it? On holy ground. In his presence makes that ground holy. Well, now let's go to Jericho real quickly. Chapter 6. Jericho was straightly shut up. In other words, the gates were closed, everybody was inside, nobody went in and out. They were looking out the garrisons and out the windows of the houses, watching that horde of people come toward them from the Jordan River. They crossed it. They don't know how they got across that swollen river, but there they were, coming in great mass, millions marching toward Jericho. They surrounded the city. People inside are scared to death. Joshua says to the people, we're going to march around this city one time today in absolute silence. Tomorrow we'll do it again. For six days we're going to march one time. And around that city they went. He instructed them, there is not to be a word spoken. You'll find out a little later in the chapter. I want you to march around that city in silence. Can you imagine this huge horde of people marching silently and the fact that they could not speak probably dictated that they carefully walked, made as little noise as possible, and the people of Jericho and what is going on? They just went around the city in silence and went back to camp. The next morning, they come out and they do the same thing all over again. And they go back to camp. Six days they do this. In silence, they march. And then Joshua said, on the seventh day, we're going to march seven times. And then when I give you signal, I want you to shout and rush toward those walls. And the sound was given and the trumpet sounded and Joshua ordered the shout down in verse 16. Joshua said, shout for the Lord has given you the city and they rushed toward it and the walls come tumbling down except for the house of Rahab. Remain standing. 17th verse tells us that only Rahab the harlot shall live and she and all that are with her in the house because she hid the messengers that we sent. Verse 23, the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab. Verse uh, 25, and Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive. Now let me summarize it real quickly we we'll give you the full story of Rahab. Do you know what happened to her? Well, we're told over in the book of Matthew what happened to her. First chapter in Genealogy of the Lord. She married a man 
by the name of Salmon. She was the mother of Boaz. She was the great-grandmother of David in the lineage that leads to our Lord. In Hebrews, in the 11th chapter, she is used as one of those examples of great faith. A lady whose reputation was not the best in the world, who operated a house of ill repute, but who understood that the coming of this group led by Joshua was God's will and that they would take over the city and that she made a petition showing her faith that her household be left alive and she married one of the members of that horde of captors and was saved alive by her faith. And the book of James, chapter 2, verse 25, uses her as an example of good works. We don't know a whole lot about her, but we know enough to know that she became a woman of faith who became a part of the genealogy that leads to our Lord. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.